from the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. You are now tuned into Making the Movement Podcast, a place where you can join ULMS every step of the way on our journey to equity for all. Each month, we'll keep you posted about everything the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle has been up to, including new programs and services, upcoming events, and ways for you to get involved with the movement. We'll even be covering hot topics in our community, inviting special guests to come kick it with us while getting down to the real issues, hosting special giveaways, and more. This is your chance to get up close and personal with us from right here in the heart of the Central District. You are now listening to Making the Movement Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Making the Movement podcast. We are here with another episode for you guys, and we are going to talk about the COVID vaccinations. And I know some of us have hesitations or some concerns with what's going on within the vaccinations right now. So we are here to kind of address those concerns, answer some of the questions that have already been asked in the public. Mind you, all of this information is already available to you guys, to the public right now on all these public websites. And so we're just here to kind of condense all that information so it's more digestible to you. We do want to mention that we are not medical professionals. And so we want to just put that out there so you guys know that everything that we are giving you is already out there. We're just condensing all the information for you guys. That's exactly right. And I'm really excited to have this this episode and this conversation today because literally we're going from talking about one major conversation, which was COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what dominated a lot of our lives over the last 10 months is like, what is COVID? How do you get it? How do you avoid it? All those things. That was one main conversation. And now we have to have another type of like debrief about the actual vaccine part because just as there was like so many questions with COVID itself, now we have these vaccines that are out, but there's, again, so many questions about those as well. So it definitely warrants another conversation. Um, and so today we actually have one of our, I almost say in-house experts on COVID vaccines because we've been doing a lot of work in the community to um, host clinics and provide information and education and all these things. And so um, one of our coworkers who's actually been on the show before has been leading those efforts. And so we decided to bring her back today so that she can kind of like come and give us her insight and help us answer some of these frequently asked questions for you guys. So without further ado, I'll, we'll actually let her reintroduce herself. We have Zaina in the building. What's up, Zaina? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Ashley and Rue. I'm so glad to be back. Thank so, you for coming. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm Zaina. I'm the executive assistant to Michelle Merriweather, our amazing president and CEO at the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. I am also super passionate about public health and health equity, which is why as soon as the vaccine started to roll out, I was like, I want to be part of this conversation. Um, and really it's a passion area of mine. So I'm very, very excited to be learning as much as I can about the vaccine and sharing that information. Um, so yeah, like since the beginning, I was having conversations with people at the Washington State Department of Health and bringing them to our team at the Urban League to talk to us, to hear our perspectives, to hear our concerns, to answer our questions. Um, and then also since then, I've been sitting at different equity tables every couple weeks to make sure that 
we're part of the conversation when it comes to access, you know, equal access to the vaccine for all communities. And yeah, another reason I'm really passionate about the vaccine is because as we know, black and brown communities are the ones who've been hit hardest by COVID when it mm -hmm. comes to COVID cases, hospitalizations, deaths, and like the economic fallout from COVID. And so now that there's a solution mm -hmm. or like a light at the end of the tunnel, we need to make sure that we don't get left behind, you know, right. and make sure that the solution is available to us as well as people who have been hit the hardest by the pandemic. Right. I think that's actually very perfect because I wanted to, to kind of start the conversation with talking about what is the historical medical trauma, especially within our communities, within the black and brown communities. Right. How did we get here? Why do we feel the way we do? Because there is a reason behind it. Right. So if you could just talk a little bit about that, I think we would we would really appreciate it. So absolutely. Um, historically speaking, I think the the main thing that everyone's heard about is the Tuskegee experiment which was a four decade long study where 600 black men, 400 of them had syphilis, 200 of them did not, essentially were part of this experiment, which was to see what would happen if syphilis went untreated. Basically the medical establishment wanted to see how sick these men would get if their condition with syphilis was ignored. And so you had for 40 years, men going to see medical professionals, going to get support, and they all the while were not getting, not being told that they had syphilis and also not being like really given any sort of treatment, even wow. after penicillin was available, which would, uh, you know, which was like a cure for syphilis. Even after that became available, these men continued to not receive treatment. Yeah, and even like, it's wild. Like there was a list of these men's names and that list circulated to doctors um, as a way of being like, hey, if any of these men come to you for treatment or support, just know that they're part of this trial, so don't help them. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that's the main thing you're gonna hear it, when it comes to medical mistrust and vaccine hesitancy in the black community is Tuskegee, Tuskegee, Tuskegee. Right. But of course, that's not it, you know? Um, historical medical trauma roots all the way back to slavery and mm -hmm. experimentation happening on black bodies, um, black children, black babies. And then of course there's like the forced sterilization of black and brown women and indigenous women that um, that was rampant as well. So that's, that's historical and we could go on and on and on talking about these historical examples. But then we also need to realize like it's twofold. So there's the historical medical mistreatment that we that our people have experienced, but then there's also present day mistreatment that we're experiencing. And I think the biggest, best example would be the way that black people's pain is consistently under it undertreated, it's consistently not taken seriously. And so, you know, we we don't need to hear facts and figures to know that we don't get treated well by the medical establishment. We all have those experiences. We all know people have had those experiences. So it makes sense that people are mistrustful. Absolutely. Right. And it's like, there really is um, a sense of like mistrust in terms of access to public medical resources. 
mm-hmm. um, the vaccine being one of them. There, there's like a I don't want to say it's like ingrained in people because that's not the word I'm looking for, but like it's definitely a thing to feel as though um, a, a certain resource is not attainable for you. It's not accessible for you and it's not going to help you if you get it and even if you do have an opportunity you won't be able to afford it there's just like so many things um Mm -hmm. to consider for black and brown communities when they go and seek medical support and that definitely plays into i think the situation that we're seeing now with the vaccines if you guys would agree to that or not um no i agree 100 percent fully me too yeah I, i think at the end of the day like simply put we really don't believe that the medical establishment has our, like genuinely cares mm-hmm. about us. Mm-hmm. And um, and then also like there's concerns where, you know, if, if I get sick after this vaccine, how am I gonna get treatment? Who am I gonna go to? Like right. who's gonna be there after all this concern over the vaccine is over, you know? Like something I was thinking about was, there's so much concern for like our health all of a sudden, like get the vaccine, it's good for you, get the vaccine, it's good for you. Um, but where was that concern when it comes to all these other comorbidities that, uh, when it comes to comorbidities that affect black people more than others? Like where was that concern in all, you know, in all these other times? It's like, it reminds me of politicians who during election cycles will suddenly care about getting the black vote mm-hmm. and then they go away. And so we're seeing a lot of concern about black health right now. They want us to get the vaccine. They want us to be protected. Right. But that concern needs to continue after this conversation. Absolutely. And I think otherwise that, we don't believe it. Right. And I think that's like a perfect segue into our next question. Could you talk about whether or not vaccine hesitancy should automatically be considered mm. as refusal mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. um, unwillingness to participate? Yes, absolutely. So what the popular narrative that we're going to hear that we've been hearing is that black people don't want to get this vaccine. But the fact of the matter is people of all races, people from all races have have vaccine hesitancy. It's not just black people. Actually, the demographic that's the most unwilling to get the vaccine is actually white evangelicals or like white conservative men. Yeah, (laughs) and actually like black people, since February, black people who are willing to get the vaccine, like that number has increased and increased and increased. And so we're gonna, we're, we're kind of like seen as, it's sort of a scapegoat to say like, black people don't wanna get the vaccine. Like that ends up honestly being a bit of a cover up to, if, if the vaccine ends up not being like equitable and our people aren't able to get it as easily as white people are, it's we're gonna fault. get blamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then another thing is, yeah, like Ashley said, hesitancy does not equal refusal. For example, um, there historically has been a lot of hesitancy around black people being involved in research, which makes so much sense considering what we just talked about with Tuskegee. And so that is used as a reason why there hasn't been much research on the health, you know, health outcomes of black and brown people is saying like, well, they don't want to be part of these research trials. But actually, if you look at data, black people are, yeah, they're hesitant, 
but that doesn't mean they don't want to take part in these research trials. Um, and so, yeah, same with the vaccine. Like people are hesitant, yeah, but that doesn't mean they don't want to get it. And when we see these numbers saying that black people aren't getting the vaccine, like that's really blaming us for the problem when really yeah. it's like, no, get, get us the vaccine, make it easy for us to get the vaccine. And bring mobile clinics to our communities. Don't blame mm -hmm. us when the numbers are low. And provide the public education to make people feel comfortable in making that decision to get the vaccine. That yes. There's a yes. lot of information on the news. And as we know, news channels, are, you know, go to whatever audience that they're trying to appease to a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like, you, I, I feel like it's the, I don't know if it's the government's job or if it's the medical provider's job, but it's somebody's job to make sure that we know all of the information that we feel like we need to know yep. so that we're making informed decisions for our health, not just, mm -hmm. you know, taking whatever someone says and being like, oh, well, it was on the news, so it mm -hmm. must be true, right? Like, right. no, and yep. I think that, the, the, you know, it's, it's not realistic or fair to assume that like, individual citizens who have no professional medical background will automatically take the time or know how to find the answer to all these questions and actually understand it in a way that makes sense to them. So yes. there's a big responsibility on, you know, the healthcare provider side to make sure that, you know, we, we have the information that we need and we feel secure, but it's just like, it's not all the way there. It's hard to do, right. And I think that's a perfect, I think that's a perfect segue into our next question because that's what we're here to do today to alleviate some of some of the unknown some of some of the stuff that's really kind of unclear to those within our community so just to kind of pivot the conversation a little bit um i wanted to ask for for example some people might be worried about getting the vaccine if they already had covid so if somebody already had covid does that mean they're already immune to the to, to to having covid again or do they need to take the vaccine do you can you answer that for us Zina? yes so People who have had COVID should still get the vaccine as soon as they can. Um, we know that when someone has been infected with COVID before, there is a certain level of immunity that they have after that. But the thing that we don't know, like there isn't clear research on right now is how long that immunity is gonna last and also how strong that immunity is gonna be. Whereas with the, with the vaccine, we know that the immunity is going to last longer and it's going to actually be like a stronger level of immunity than what you would get from, the, from getting the illness naturally. Okay. And I think another thing that people should be aware of is like there's different variants of the of the virus. And so mm -hmm. the variant your body may have built up an immunity to may not be the variant mm -hmm. that you experience the next time you're exposed. Right. So yes. to assume that you're gonna be okay just because you've experienced one variant of the virus yep. is not necessarily the route that you want to go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. And speaking of, um, let's get into some of these vaccine options, because I think now, current at this time, there's three options available. Um, and so Zana, just on a base level, because, you know, I'm sure that there's there's a lot of depth we can hit with this one. But what are the, the main differences between the three vaccines that are out there? Yes. OK, so there are three vaccines. Um, their names are Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson and Johnson. Um, so these are by three different companies. Moderna and Pfizer are actually really similar to one another. They are called mRNA vaccines. 
And um, so basically the way that that one works is it injects like a tiny bit of this, um, a tiny bit of this like genetic material that is gonna go in, teach your body how to create the antibodies needed to fight COVID. And then once it teaches your body how to do that, it actually like completely breaks down and goes away. Nice. Yeah, so Pfizer and Moderna both use that kind. Those vaccines both require two doses. So for Pfizer, you need to get two doses 21 days apart. And then for Moderna, you need two doses 28 days apart. And then both of those, you'd be considered fully vaccinated two weeks after your second dose. Now, Johnson & Johnson is a different kind of vaccine. It's called a vector vaccine. So basically that one, it, it goes into your body, teaches your body how to fight against COVID as well, but it doesn't give you that, it doesn't give you that little bit of genetic material that mRNA does. And so that is different. And yeah, Johnson & Johnson only requires one dose. So a lot of people are liking that because you don't need to worry about going in for a second appointment. And it also, I think, ends up being a more accessible or equitable vaccine because not everyone not everyone's going to be able to get to their second appointment right yeah so that's really important johnson and johnson uh you're also considered fully vaccinated two weeks after all three of these vaccines are totally safe they're effective and most importantly they're effective against severe illness and death from covid so that's really what we're looking at when we're talking about these vaccines people who get them are not getting severely ill, landing in the hospital and dying. Like that's the right. main thing everyone needs to know about all three of these vaccines. And I think oh, something else that you could probably add to that, maybe Zaina, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that as of right now, Johnson & Johnson is the only one approved for, or was it Pfizer was the only one that was approved for people under six, 16 to 18? The yep. Pfizer? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Pfizer is the only one that's been approved for those under 18, yeah, 16 and up. So once someone decides which vaccine is best for them and they do take it, we, we've heard of some some kind of side effects happening. And I just wanted to, to clarify and see if, if you could elaborate a little bit on what side effects are possible upon taking any of these vaccines. And I know yes. I know I know you two have taken have taken the vaccine as well. So if you guys have want to share your personal experiences, too, I think the audience would appreciate that as well. Yes, we should. That that would be great, especially since we both got to we got to do different vaccines. Right. First of all, I'll go into like sort of the common side effects that people are experiencing from all these different vaccines. So the main one is a sore arm just right where the injection happened. That usually starts to you start to feel it like right away. And then also some other side effects people might get is fatigue. They might get a headache more muscle pain around the area. Um, some people are getting like a fever. And this is actually like all these side effects are a good thing because it's showing that the that the vaccine worked and that your body is is learning about how to is learning about how to fight the virus. So if you get these sy symptoms, like they're not gonna be fun. But at the same time you can be like, oh cool, that means it worked for me. And then also at the same time, I wanna say like, if you don't get the symptoms, that doesn't mean it didn't work for you. Like some, everyone's just different, you know? Um, everyone's just different in the way that this is gonna affect them. Right. And then also I, I wanna add that 
it is true that most people are feeling more symptoms after that second dose. And again, that's like a good thing because what that's saying is that the first dose worked. So yeah, so I got Pfizer. I had a sore arm like right away, right where the shot was. And I was a little bit tired after, like I took a nap. I took a nap, like a pretty solid nap the next day. But other than that, I didn't have any other symptoms. And did you get you, your Ashley? second shot for Pfizer? I'm getting my second shot on Friday. Okay. Yeah, so stay tuned on that. <laughs> um, my mom got her second shot of Moderna a couple weeks ago and she had like chills, pretty bad chills for one day. And so that's the other thing about these side effects too is that they are all supposed to be gone like it within a few days. And if they're, if like, for example, if like your arm soreness gets worse and worse and worse, then it would be a good idea to like talk to your doctor. Or if these symptoms seem to not be going away, like after a few days or like a week, if you're still feeling really sick, it could be a good idea just to talk to a doctor. Right. I had, I got Moderna and I think my experience with side effects was a little skewed. Full transparency, you guys. Um, I have a lot of tattoos, so I understand needle pain. I get it. I know, like, you know, I have a pretty good sense of pain tolerance. Um, and when I got my shot, my arm hurt for like three days. <laughs> and I honestly, truly believe that part of the reason why it hurt was because the person who was administering the vaccine to me was mm -hmm. very kind of rough with me mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, you know, how she put the needle in my arm and like, you know, just that whole experience was just kind of crazy. Um, and so I think for me, my arm hurt longer than it should have because of how the vaccine was administered to me. But then I also think that just goes back to the conversation we were having earlier in terms of how certain medical professionals view like pain tolerance for black and brown people or just like, you know, in general, because I'm not, I can't say that like, I felt like, they were gentler with other patients but it's just that like there wasn't really like you know when you go to the doctor and you get a shot and they're like okay i'm gonna count to three and then yeah. one, two, you know like yeah. it was literally like oh pull up your arm okay boom stab you with the needle yeah. all right you're good you good like i actually bled when i got my <laughs> like i don't yeah. want to be bad but it's just like there's oh uh, an experience that's good and an experience that's bad. And I just want to give full transparency to like what could potentially happen, not because of the vaccine, but just because of like the the relationship between the, the healthcare providers who are administering these shots and like the comfortability of the patients who are receiving them. You know, like not everybody is like good with needles or good with pain. And so I just felt like there was a little bit of, of um, insensitivity to whether or not I felt pain when I got my 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 vaccine administered to me. And I hope that doesn't disparage anybody. That was just my personal experience. But in terms of like actual how I feel, like after getting the shot, like outside of just my arm, I feel fine. I didn't really experience any other symptoms. I didn't get tired. Um, I didn't get sick otherwise. And so I do feel confident in getting my second shot, um, maybe just by like another person, but. <laughs> That was pretty much like my experience. I would still highly encourage people to 
consider getting the vaccine if the opportunity comes available to you, not just for yourself, but for those around you who you may be passing COVID to or may potentially pass COVID to without knowing about it. Again, at least these these conversation topics are just flowing one right into the other. And I really like that. I just want to say, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing about your experience. Like that experience is so valid and people really need to hear it. Yeah, for both of you. Thank you for sharing. I know they're going to appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And don't be afraid to speak up in those situations either. Like, yes, if you feel like something wasn't done properly, even though you're not the medical professional, you are the professional on what your body reacts to. Period. Exactly. Yeah. You know yourself better than any doctor, you know, could tell you about what you're supposed to be experiencing. So if you guys do go get these vaccines and you feel like something was wrong, feel free to advocate for yourself and speak up because this vaccine is here for you. It's a resource for you. Yes given to you in the way that's like you know comfortable and acceptable for you okay yes (laughs) absolutely well our next question is another term that's kind of floating around out there and i was wondering Diana, if you can kind of break down what is it what does herd immunity mean because i know i've seen a lot of people on the news talking about like working towards herd immunity but like obviously we're not all cows or livestock so (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) oh my gosh that's such a good question Herd immunity is when enough people, in, enough people in the community, have been vaccinated, so have the immunity against the virus, um, to the point where now the spread is going to stop. So you hear this term like stop, uh, this phrase, "stop the spread, stop the spread," and really the way that we're going to stop the spread is if the vast majority majority of people get the vaccine and we reach herd immunity, which. I'm not sure the exact percentage that we need to reach in order to reach herd immunity. And honestly, experts don't know that exact number yet either, but it's like typically like in the 70%, 80% type of range to get herd immunity. This is really important because we have these new variants. And so we're sort of in like a race against time. Like we need to reach herd immunity faster than these variants start to really get to us. One, and two, we could get a fourth surge. Like we're not seeing that cases are necessarily like declining Mm -hmm. and declining and declining. Like what we're actually seeing is that it declined a little bit and now we're sort of getting like a bit of a plateau. Like it's pretty much, it's not like getting lower if that makes sense like it's not decreasing and so and also people yeah I mean it's been a year you guys we're still kind of here yeah and like people are starting to see this light at the end of the tunnel like yeah we're gonna be able to start like getting back to normal and everything so people are starting to get really loose with it (laughs) and we can't really do that until we let until the vast majority of us are vaccinated you know in the summer we might see that things are things are cool you know not as many cases but come fall, health experts are really concerned about the possibility of a fourth surge. And yeah. so if we can all get vaccinated before that, then we could really start to right. see like maybe we get back to some semblance of normal, which is really what we all want. I think it's really kind of interesting that, you know, as of right now, it's it's the state's decision in terms of how how open their state is, right? Like everybody's Mm -hmm. kind of determining their own rate of progress to reopen things. 
And so it's like, you got some states that are like, we don't need no masks, even though you know, <laughs> the vaccine, we haven't reached herd immunity. You know, we still have cases kind of staying at the same level. We can, we can just go and, and have no masks and return to normal right now, because <laughs> by the end of the year, we should be straight, right? And you got other states that are like, no, we need to stay locked down so that, you know, we give people mm -hmm. time to actually let the vaccines get through everybody's system, you know, cause there's a waiting period for some of them. And then we could talk about going outside. But, yes. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's, we kind of all need to get on the same page in terms mm -hmm. of like when things will be acceptable to do, because even though like our state is pretty, um, we're not fully open yet, but we were locked down for a while, right? Mm -hmm. But people can travel here from states that don't have those same types of restrictions. And so exactly. it's like, you know, yeah, in Washington, we're all cool. But then people from Texas, I'm sorry, Texas, but y'all are wilding right now. People <laughs> come over here and then it's like, now nah, I got to worry about, you know, more risk and exposure potential, even though we're doing everything we're supposed to do. So um, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why we get vaccinated. That is why. Yes, exactly. And yes. actually, I really, I, this is actually, I was really curious about if I am vaccinated, does that mean I could or could not still get COVID. Yeah, so being vaccinated, what that's gonna mean is that if we get, so first of all, there's like a difference between getting infected with COVID-19 and mm. getting ill from COVID-19. Mm. And so what the vaccine's gonna do is make it so that if you happen to get infected with COVID-19, your body's gonna be able to fight it before you, even know you ever got infected. So it's gonna be able to fight it before you get actually sick. Got it. And so, yeah, that's basically how it works. And so you're, all these vaccines are effective at preventing you from actually getting ill from COVID-19. And of course it's not a hundred percent, these aren't a hundred percent effective, but for the most part, yeah, you're not gonna be getting sick from COVID-19 even if that virus does enter your body because you're already gonna know how to handle it. Right. Which means that it still can, right? There's a potential for you to still be exposed to COVID. But I think what Zion is saying that even if you are, you're not going to die, which is the yeah, part that we're right. trying to prevent, the death part. So like- We're neutralizing <laughs> yeah. the situation. Or even, mm -hmm, or even get like, the symptoms could be really mild. And even it's really unlikely that you would even like get mild symptoms at all. Like you really might just not get sick, most likely at all. Once you're vaccinated, if you find out that you've been around someone who um, tested positive for COVID, you actually don't need to worry about getting tested or anything like that. Like you're, you're fine. Like if you've been, if you are like going to work and you find out like one of your coworkers tested positive for COVID, like you don't all of a sudden now have to be like, oh no, I need to get tested. I need to quarantine, blah, 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 blah. Like you can pretty much just, know that you're fine because you got vaccinated that's different if you work or live in like a group home type setting if anyone has covid in that type setting it's better to quarantine after finding out that someone was was testing positive but for the most part if you've been around someone that tested positive like you're fine that's that's really good that's really good information to know we have two more questions for you but i really think they can be looped into one so I'm just gonna ask them as one question. So, okay, we made the decision. We're getting vaccinated. Boom. What does, <laughs> Boom. That, mean? <laughs> what does 
something I expect from life after vaccination. Like, can we go outside? Do I still got to wear a mask? Like, do I still need to practice social distancing? Like, what what's the deal for after, you know, you've been vaccinated and what you can mm-hmm. still be able to do or not do? I need yes. to know. <laughs> okay, so the most exciting thing about, like, if you get vaccinated and the people that you want to hang out with get vaccinated is vaccinated people can hang out with vaccinated people as much as they want, in as close quarters as they want, indoors, no masks, no social distance. Like if all of us get vaccinated, we can we can all hang out for as long as we want. Like, and and it'll be great. So as far as wearing masks and practicing social distancing, we should still, like we should still avoid medium to large groups and gatherings and we should still practice social distancing and wear masks like when we're around when we're around a lot of people because we don't know who's gotten vaccinated who hasn't you know and then also when it comes to like being indoors like let's say people start to come back to work or let's say restaurants start letting people in one of the main factors is is that area going to be safe has to do with what their ventilation is like so so if restaurants want to open up, I would say like open up a lot of windows, you know, like have the breeze really coming in because that's that's going to help a lot with indoor settings. And same with like at the office, all our windows should be open. I think that's all the questions we had for you today. Ashley, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? No, I feel like that was definitely the extent of the questions we have for today, but I think we should, we should all consider doing a a follow-up like part two to this conversation, Mm -hmm. or maybe we can get some of the, the, you know, medical professionals that we know Mm -hmm. to come on and answer some of these questions in more depth than, you know, the three of us can provide. But Zaina, thank you so much for coming back again and kind of like helping us to facilitate this conversation. Cause honestly, I feel like I got a lot out of Mm -hmm. this. I did too. I'm so glad. And this is all, you know, like, the way our community is gonna uh, feel comfortable getting this vaccine and get the vaccine is word of mouth. Like we trust, we're gonna listen to people we trust in our communities. Um, And so a big piece of this is gonna be that trusted messenger model, which is really Mm -hmm. like, you know, if we all have credible information, then we can go share that with our friends and family. Well, I just want to say thank you one more time to Zaina for joining us on the podcast this month to share and alleviate some stress of what it feels like to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So thank you again for Zaina. Up next, I'm going to swing it over to Ashley to let us know what we have brand new on the block this month. Ash? So for those of you who don't know, Brand New on the Block is the segment where we talk about what's new at the Urban League, things that you should be aware of, resources, programs, services, the works. And so since this episode, we've been talking a lot about COVID-19 vaccinations and information, the Brand New on the Block for this episode is going to follow that same theme. You know, we've been talking a lot this episode about COVID vaccine information and opportunities. And so this this episode's brand new on the block is going to align with that same theme. We're going to keep it going. So the newest thing on the Urban League website is that we now have a page where you guys can find local opportunities to get vaccinated, where they are, what types of vaccines are being administered, when they're happening. Some of these opportunities are recurring so if you're looking for a vaccination appointment 
definitely head over to our website, urbanleague.org, and under the health tab, you will see a page for local vaccine opportunities. And if you know of any local opportunities, let us know. Reach out to us and let us know so that we can continue to update this page with the most recent information and the most current opportunities available to the community. And that wraps up this episode's brand new on the block. You guys stay tuned for new COVID-related content and information coming to the site. I'm sure we'll probably definitely cover it next episode. But yes, be sure to stay up to date with the website, guys. Things are constantly changing and there's always new things popping up over there. But um, yeah, that wraps up this episode's brand new on the block. Thank you so much, Ashley, for letting us know what is brand new on the block this month. Before we head into our last segment of the show, I did want to let you guys know that there has been an update since we've recorded with Zyna. The Johnson & Johnson vaccination has taken a pause at this time, but make sure you stay connected with your news and your CDC website and all the other resources that you have at your fingertips to make sure you stay updated. So the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has taken a pause at the moment. And so just make sure you know what's going on with the, with the pandemic and just to be aware. So that is the update. Our next and final segment of the episode is How To With Rue, where I, Rue, will show you how to do a bunch of different things throughout the course of this podcast based off of the things that we provide for you. So this month we shared with you with our brand new on the block segment that we have opportunities for vaccinations. So if you haven't guessed already that is what i'll be showing you how to do today so in order to figure out how to find covid vaccination opportunities and get registered on our website you're going to first head over to www.urbanlink.org and under our health tab at the top you can click covid vaccination options under that you're going to see a bunch of different vaccination options and you're going to find the one that best works for you and click the register button And from then, you'll follow the steps that have been prompted. So again, head over to www.urbanlink.org for more information on COVID vaccination options. That's this month's How To With Rue. That's all we have for now. As always, thank you for tuning in with us. Make sure to keep up with Making The Movement on Instagram via at MakeTheMovePod, where you can always recap ask questions, and chime into the conversation. New episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month. Don't forget to subscribe and drop us a rating on your favorite pod platform. Remember, in the immortal words of Nipsey Hussle, life is what you make it. And I hope you make a movement.